3: This is The Edge with
0: Jonathan Von Tobel and Matt Eumanns on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: What's up, folks? Welcome into a Monday edition of The Edge where we have a lot to get to. And I was just told something incredible by Matt Eumanns. You get the green light to start talking about baseball this week. Dave Koken's going to be with us, what, on Wednesday? Talk a little Major League
5: We're going to talk some golf, too. Yeah. We have the Masters right around the corner, but the baseball season Uh, Next week as well. So, uh, yeah, we'll start previewing MLB this week. And uh, Dave Koken, Mr.
4: Baseball, is going to be on with us on uh, Wednesday. But we open up with the obvious. Shohei Otani is going to be batting leadoff for the Anaheim Angels this season. Your thoughts. Uh, he's going to pitch opening day, too, right? He is. He is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. No, no, no. We've got to open up with, <laughs> look, we're a show. We like to go against the grain here a little bit, right? When everybody <laughs> was all about football, 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 we really got in-depth in college basketball at the beginning of the year, right? Talking non-conference schedules. Yeah. So, of course, we're going to begin where nowhere else did. Nobody else did uh, so far today. North Carolina and Duke. The matchup is set for a third time so far this year. Duke, now down to a four-point favorite. Not surprising that the Tar Heels are getting a little support at the window early on here, Matt Eubens. Um, I texted you yesterday. I was somewhat mm. surprised by the opener. I thought it was going to be a little bit higher here. Not by much. But this is a Duke team that closed as an 11-point favorite and that embarrassment in their regular season end against North Carolina Tar Heels. But we saw four and a half originally at the open. Now we're four with a total of 151. Yeah, here's why I'm
5: not surprised by the line. And I thought the line in this uh, UNC-Duke game part three was going to be four, four and a half, or five. That was going to be the opener. Uh, Blue Devils were 11, 11 and a half point favorites against the Tar Heels in March. That was March 5th uh, in the revenge game that uh, the Tar Heels uh, spoiled Coach K's uh, finale at Cameron. And they did not genuflect
4: at the altar. That was uh, Coach K.
5: You know, the first time these teams played, I actually bet – you know I hate road favorites. I bet Duke is road favorite against Carolina. It was like – I laid three, I think, in that game. And Duke won the game 87-67. to It was not that close. Not at all. It was a 28-point game, I think 27 or 28-point game late. And uh, North Carolina scored some uh, points at the end to make it look a little bit better on the scoreboard. But when they played again in Cameron, that's why I think the number was inflated a little bit. Uh, Because of the the nature of the blowout the first time around. And it's Coach K's final game on Coach K court. And who's going to win it back, Carolina? The team that got embarrassed the first time these teams played. So I talked to a couple – Odds makers before that game, one being Richie Bachelary, who's about as sharp as it gets with numbers in college shoes. Sharp as a
4: pencil, some would say.
5: Yeah, that's right. He told me he made the number before this, was like the night before the uh, Carolina-Duke rematch at Cameron. He said he made that number, I think, nine or nine and a half. Okay. So that was his true number. So the 11 and a half was an inflated number based on the circumstances. And then the fact that Carolina won the game by double digits and that Carolina's a hot team now, I thought this uh, opener was going to be Somewhere in the neighborhood of four, four and a half, five uh, for the final four semifinals. So I don't think the number's out of whack. I know some people are going to look at it and say it's it's cheap. But, see, I think the number in, in the second game between these teams was inflated.
4: Yeah. Uh, so I think – so for me, when I initially looked at this – and it's not like I thought it was going to be like eight – I thought it was going to be more like five and a half mm-hmm. on an opener. If you, if you consider what the closing number was in that game, that matchup at the end of the regular season, an adjustment for this run that's happened, and the fact that that number wasn't inflated like you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, I I got me to like five and a half somewhere in that. I had
5: range. somebody else text me the night before say they thought it should have been five and a half too. Okay, so, I mean, we're not talking about a huge difference in college hoops. It's not the NFL where if you're
4: off by right. two points, it's a big deal. And it's a sport of basketball, right? Yeah. So somewhat volatile in terms of the scoring. But what I wanted to ask you about this matchup, because I will say now, I do like Duke here, and I think Duke is going to win this game. I want to see what the market does. If it gets Mm -hmm. under that four, I think I'll lay that with Duke because I don't think we get past three and a half. I would assume that is the case. Um, But for me, and I don't want to take away anything from North Carolina, man, but I do wonder how much you upgrade North Carolina. Like When you realistically look at this run that North Carolina has gone on through this tournament, a Marquette team that was very undersized and could not handle what they had on the glass, sure enough, they beat them up on the boards, they win that game a Baylor team which they were up very big and, again, had an advantage on the glass because Jonathan Chamuchacho wasn't playing. Mm -hmm. One of your best players gets ejected. You blow that, you go to overtime, but you win that game regardless. Jaime Jaquez is on one ankle, essentially. In that game was, what, 5 of 15 from two-point range, missed all three of his three-point shots. I can't believe he took as many shots as he did in that game on a bad ankle. Now, he
5: did have that one dunk. A breakaway dunk where he looked like Kobe Bryant. You said, did he really have a bad
4: ankle? But he didn't shoot well in that game. Yep. And then you take, and then you know, we we all watch what happened with the St. Peter's matchup, right? St. Peter's ran into a team that could throw six foot six, six seven, six ten out there, and they just couldn't do anything offensively in right. that matchup, right? So what I'm saying is, this bracket is broken extremely well for North Carolina, I think, through this run. Not to take anything away from them. Now we're getting Duke here, who can match you up with size, athleticism. He's got a bunch of guys who can score in isolation, can deal what you throw at them. Uh, and on top of which, should be able to battle you mano, a mano in terms of what you're able to put up in terms of rebounding. Mm-hmm. And now we get, I think it's almost the inverse of what happened in that regular season finale. That was an inflated number because of what happened last time around. Now we're getting almost a deflated number because of this run that North Carolina has been on up to this point and oh, yeah. what happened in the regular season. finale. I think four is
5: slightly deflated. Yeah. And one ninety at the moneyline price is actually uh, not bad. I was I was hoping to lay one eighty or something like yeah. that in this game. I'm not crazy about laying points. I think this game's <laughs> gonna go down to the wire. I like Duke to win it. Uh but yeah, I, I think four is uh not a bad price if you're looking to uh, lay it with a favorite here. I must say this is the, the most hyped Final Four semifinal since uh Duke UNLV in nineteen ninety one. Really? A UNLV team rolled in on a 45-game win streak, had just blown out Duke by 30 points in the title game the season before. I can't remember in my lifetime a more hyped semifinal game than that one. Look, I was five months old, and I remember it very clearly. (laughs) You've heard a lot about it over the past 30 years. That was 31 years ago. And um, that game went to the wire. UNLV, I think, closed an eight-point favorite or so, had a late lead, I think led 76-71, ended up losing 79-77 in that game. Leitner hit a couple of free throws late mm-hmm. after, a, after a Duke rally. But what the, I think the the point to that story is, I right, think this is going to be a similar type of game. We're all assuming, when Gonzaga went down the other night, I texted you, I think, and Mitch Moss, and a couple other people, said Duke's going to be in the title game.
4: Yes, unfortunately. And
5: you could just see it, the way it was mapping out, the script was going to work out for Coach K. Now, this game's not going to be easy because Carolina is a hot team and shoots it well from uh, the three point line. In this tournament, Carolina's 40 for 113 from three. That makes out about, equates to uh, like 10 for 28 uh, per game. That's about 35%. Duke is not great at defending the three point line. Not terrible, but that's Duke's weakness. The the thing is, the Carolina guards run so hot and cold shooting at three. Caleb Love, in two games in this tournament, Shot six for 13 from three. In the other two games, he was two for 10 and one for four. Uh, Brady Mannix, the most consistent long-range shooter for Carolina. But uh, here's the deal. Armando, a backup for uh, North Carolina, has been a stud in the middle of the past two games with 34 points and 37 rebounds. But like you said, he was basically facing a a team with high school size in St. Peter's. they swallowing them up. Nah, just time. killed, just killed him inside, which is what Purdue should have done. But Purdue's game plan was idiotic. Uh, but that's a long, that's a different story. You
4: know, I gotta say really quickly uh-huh. about that. I thought Kenny Kenny Smith actually made a really good point during the broadcast uh-huh. of that game against the North Carolina game, which was. The difference in what North Carolina did as opposed to what Purdue did is Purdue was just, all right, bounce it down low and go to work. North Mm -hmm. Carolina was, we're a lot bigger and faster. We're going to just kill you off penetration. And then, like, dish it baseline, go all sorts of different – like, there was different ways they got it down low as opposed to just, okay, now you can get doubled in the post and do all these things. Like, it was very simplistic what Purdue did.
5: Well, that's been Matt Painter's offense all whole season. No no team in the country pounds the ball down to the post, low post, more than Purdue. And they tried to do that against St. Peter's, and it was a dumb game plan from the start. You're basically uh, playing into their hands, giving them a shot, talking about the peacocks to upset you. Anyway, um, I think the difference here is Mark Williams is a freaking stud. He has been all season in the paint for Duke. Uh, I I like that guy more and more as an NBA prospect every time I watch him play. He's just a man in the middle, and uh, Baycott's not going to be able to do as much against him as he has against some of these previous opponents. When you look at Cal State, Fullerton, Michigan State, Texas Tech, and um, yeah, he's been nuts. The last few, what, Arkansas. twelve and twelve
4: last time out,
5: uh, well, sixteen and eight. The, the round before that against Texas Tech. Very like. good at defending the rim yep. and everything. Everything. He's a force in the middle, and that's why I like about him so much. And Paolo Banchero has really elevated his game to the next level he's in this, still this three to One to be the first overall pick. Banchero is. He, well, there were the some questions about play? his three-point shot throughout the season. Been pretty and he, hot in the tournament. But in the tournament, he's eight for fifteen from three, yep. so he's shooting a lot better. Uh, from three. Anyway, the bottom line here is I just think Duke is a little bit better at every spot. They've got five projected NBA first-round picks. You've got Trevor Trevor Keels, who's a really uh, strong guard off the bench. Uh, Theo John's a pretty good backup big man. A little bit more depth, a little bit more talent at each position. Yeah, uh, Carolina's got a little bit more experience, but uh, I think Coach K and the Blue Devils are going to find a way to get this done. I'm not crazy about laying the points. I think Duke probably covers, but I'm going to lay uh, the money line price here with Duke and I've also got futures riding on Duke at 10 to 1 and 20 to 1 that are excuse me 10 to 1 and 12 to 1 that are worth uh, quite a bit because I I feared this was going to be the uh, scenario here at the end of the season. I've got Kansas at 18 to 1 and 20 to 1 so that's the position I'm in with futures going to the final 4.
4: That was the fear from the uh, the one day in late September when I sent you the cover of the Blue Ribbon book. It was Coach K on the cover. I don't remember that. I ripped that cover off and <laughs> trashed it. Yeah. Uh, now, of course, we do get this and we'll, we'll get more analysis on this matchup overall, of course, uh, as we move forward. But I do want to mention, too, the total
5: at around oh, 151. One. The two matchups between these teams in a regular season averaged 164.5. Yeah,
4: I don't see there really a slow-paced, like, slug them out game. This is going to be a high-level offensive game. There might
5: be, know. might be some nerves. Yeah. Uh, because of the atmos- intense atmosphere, the shooting background, the Caesars Superdome, who knows. I think the game could get off to a little bit of a
4: choppy start. But, yeah, I'm not going to play this under. I mean, one of the greatest coaches of all time, Coach K, you would think his team would be ready to go right away.
5: Well, they're young kids, man. Mm-hmm. I think the average age is 19 of the
4: five yep. starters, right? Yeah, no, that's true. All right, we'll come back, uh, and we will get to, of course, the other Final Four matchup, Villanova and Kansas. Kansas, four and a half with a total of 133. And, of course, the news that surrounds this one, that Villanova's Justin Moore diagnosed with a 20 Achilles. the official report yeah. from yesterday. So a massive blow, 15-point-per-game score, not going to be able to play for Villanova in that matchup. We'll come back. We'll have plenty of that analysis. Adam Hill of Las Vegas Review Journal joins us at 15 as well. So, yeah, it's here on v
0: This is The Edge on v the sports betting
4: network. You want to get in shape and having trouble staying motivated? Make five-hour energy shots part of your lifestyle and get the energy boost you need to get fit. With zero sugar and an unbeatable blend of vitamins and nutrients, caffeine. It's a perfect pick-me-up for getting stuff done. Go to 5hourenergy.com to find over 15 flavors to choose from with flavors like grape, tropical burst, cherry, blue raspberry, and more. There's a flavor for everyone. Get a five-hour energy today. All right, we're back here on The Edge. Um, Very excited, very excited because the Final Four, it's setting up to be very fun. We're getting four really good teams. Blue Bloods, if you will, Matt Eubens. How about this? From ESPN Stats and Info, the 2022 men's Final Four will feature North Carolina, six national titles. The Duke Blue Devils, five national titles. Kansas Jayhawks, three national titles. The Villanova Wildcats, three national titles, two of which have come in recent years. It's the first time in NCAA tournament history that each Final Four participant enters with multiple championships.
5: Yeah, how about that? And it's still hard for me to believe Kansas has only three national titles. got one with Bill Sell. 2008. <laughs> I was lucky to get that one. That was a late meltdown by Memphis, yep. if, uh, if you remember that. A uh, bunch of missed free throws. But Kansas went from, what, 1988 to 2008 uh, between titles and only had one before that. It seems like Kansas should have more than three. Villanova's got two in the last ten years. I think it's been uh, probably – the best program of these uh, four in the past 10 years. And uh, Duke's obviously gone the one-and-done route with a lot of pros. Villanova does it with uh, guys who stay there, stay within the program uh, more years. And Jay Wright's done a phenomenal job. But the thing I love about this Villanova team, too, and as a, as a better, this means a lot. This team makes free throws. Number one free throw shooting team in the nation and uh, one of the best free throw shooting teams of all time. And that could be a factor here when you're handicapping the Final Four. But again, Carolina, Duke, Kansas, Villanova, and they got here different ways. But before the tournament, we thought, well, maybe 20, 25 teams could reach the Final Four, and it turns out we have uh, we have this foursome, which is, uh, like you said, all Blue Bloods. I consider the Blue Bloods to be. Hold on, we'll get to that. In a minute. <laughs> I consider the Blue Bloods to be Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, and UCLA. Okay. I think you can add Villanova to that list oh, yeah. now. So it's like the, instead of the Fab five, five, it's the Super Six Blue yep. Bloods. Wes Reynolds is going to want to put Indiana in that group. Indiana's mm. a Red Blood. Indiana's yeah. not, uh, not in that group. But uh, let's get to what James Holzhauer said. Jeopardy champion. He's a Jeopardy legend. He's kind of like the Coach K of Jeopardy, isn't he? That's right. He's a Jeopardy Blue Blood.
4: Go ahead. Read the quote. I've rooted against Duke for decades, but this time there's something about coach K's smile that just fills my heart with the burning rage of a thousand sons. And
5: actually the heart his burning rage of a thousand sons was all caps in his yeah. tweet.
4: Uh, I thought
5: in Duke blue, <laughs> there's coach K's smile right there. Infectious smile. Isn't it? That no, gets you every time.
4: It, it, every, every, like you just, you, you root for him holding hands with his wife, yeah. fist pumping against all, all, all odds. He's going right? to get it done again. Yep.
5: Um, I th- I think this is a pretty good final 4. It's going to be off the hook. I actually had uh tentative plans to go to New Orleans for the final 4, but I said all along if it's Duke and uh, some teams I don't like, I'm not going. Well, I'm not going down there. I'm not going to New Orleans for a week of Duke Carolina hype. Uh, Just yeah, not yeah. going to do it. So I canceled my trip. Okay. I'm not going down there to be part of the celebration Uh, For Coach K as he wins title number six. I I thought you were going to be like
4: uh, one of the grown men who's going to be sitting in the first row. Like, Coach K, Coach K, you know. It's me, Matt.
5: That'll be Jay Billis and other guys like that. Jay Williams. Met Coach K K one time in my life.
4: How'd it go? Uh, He said like five words. Did he? How's it going? I'm Coach K. How's it going? <laughs> it was like six. There you go. <laughs> By the way, can I tell you a stat?
5: Because we're going to get to Kansas here. James Holtzauer had some good tweets over the week. I don't follow him on Twitter, but they popped up on my timeline. He had one last night about the Oscars. I never watched the Oscars, something like that. But one of these days, something crazy is going to happen, and I'm, I'm going to regret it. Can we talk to Adam Hill about that? Today? Yeah, well, I'm okay. sure
4: Adam will have all sorts of opinions on um, – I was gonna think of something that wasn't related to the big story from down think, Yeah, that's right. Um, so Kansas, can I tell you what something popped up on my timeline that I had no idea of? So Kansas, of course, playing Villanova and they're favored to make uh, to play that game. You know that James Naismith is the only Kansas head coach with a losing record for Kansas basketball. <laughs> Uh, no, I did not know that. Inventor of basketball, it's five games under five hundred. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was very surprising to me. But Kansas is a four and, and a half point a favorite. Different era. Uh, it was.
5: And uh, I've actually been to Allen Fieldhouse and taken that tour. It's, it's it's a great place to be and uh, and study the. Uh, Basketball history, but I didn't
4: realize had a losing record. Yeah, fifty-six or fifty-five and sixty. Uh, that is not Bill Self's record. He is a four and a half point favorite and uh, is very likely, it seems, to move on to the national title game here. Total one thirty-three. And as we mentioned, the uh, the story here, of course, is that a fifteen point per game score is not going to be available for Villanova. Um, so. As we look at this from the matchup perspective, what would be the number if Moore was going to play here in this game? Because I was kind of like, I, look, I'm not my college numbers are nowhere near tight or accurate, but just given the way that you know the Villanova that gets Villanova gets respect, the way that Kansas has kind of been messing around in some of these matchups earlier, like, is this like pick? Is this Kansas one? Is it Villanova minus one? I thought it was going to be Kansas two and a half. Okay, so I think the the
5: more injuries, like two points. Okay. To the line? All right. That's what I think it is. Um, And. You know, and you always have that fallen star theory too. The first game after a star goes down, everybody elevates their level of play, and sometimes you want to bet on that team. We also talk about buying on bad news. Mm-hmm. You know all those certain things, and all that qualifies with Villanova this week because a lot of people are going to say, well, they're short-handed, they can't get it done without more. They don't, they don't have a bench anyway. Jay Wright's been playing six guys, so it's going to be the younger Archie Diakano is going to have to step up, Brian Antoine, guys like that are going to have to play. Uh, bigger roles, I guess, with uh, with more out, but still, I kind of like Villanova here. I, I haven't sold myself on this side yet. Part of it is also I got these Kansas futures. It, it wouldn't hurt to hedge a little bit at 18 to one and 20 to one. But uh, just looking at this game as an isolated case, I think anytime you have a team that's the best free throw shooting team in the country, mm. you you have to. You have to consider that, and I think I made a mistake last week when I was handicapping the Michigan-Villanova game because I know I was fully aware of Villanova's ability to hit free throws late and in a tight game late, that's going to be a factor. I didn't realize Michigan was going to miss about 20 layups. But, you know, at the end of the game when you're fouling, guys like Colin Gillespie do not miss free throws. So what was Villanova 15-for-15 15 15 against Houston Yes, over the weekend from the line? And Houston was 1-for-20 from three Uh So I think any time a team can make free throws like that down the stretch of the game when you have a lot of fouling, it's going to be a big factor. Um, And I still believe in the Jay Wright-Colin-Gillespie combo. And like you said, Kansas has been a little bit shaky anyway. O'Shea Agbaji has not been dominating games like we thought. He finally stepped up, especially in the second half against Miami. But – uh, Kansas was down six to the Hurricanes at half. Their offenses look so disjointed. Yeah. Well, uh, this team would not be alive right now if not for Remy Martin's emergence right. at the end of the season. R- Remy Martin transferred from Arizona State. He was Pac-12's leading scorer. It was really not much of a factor for the first three or four months, and he's really been a big factor here at the end of the season. I don't think Kansas is alive right now without Remy Martin. Yeah. Uh, so he's he's been a big factor, and Agbaji has not played as well as uh, we th- probably thought he would overall in this tournament, but uh, it's interesting here. I-, I think at four and a
4: half, I'm a little bit tempted to take the points with the Wildcats. For me, I was actually I was I was looking at this game under the total potentially, uh, mainly because I think the one thing and I brought this up when I was talking about this yesterday on the uh, Sunday Night Show, mm-hmm. which was if you look at Kansas and the things that they have done consistently this year, and this is tied into their most recent run. Eight of their last nine opponents, Matt, they've held to under a point per possession. It, it, they've been so inconsistent on offense, but their defense has been so legitimately good. And I think that's what kind of gets me on the side of not so much one to laying the points with Kansas. City, like If you're going to play poorly offensively and if it's going to be potentially a low-scoring game, I don't have a lot of faith in you covering a number like this. But playing this under 133 where you have a guy like Moore who's not going to play, we have an elite defensive team like Kansas playing at the level that they have been at. And, by the way, I mentioned eight out of nine that they have held under a point per possession. The one team that got over a point per possession was Creighton, and their offensive rating was 102.5, so it wasn't even incredible. Well, and that's coming out of that game, I was not real high on the Kansas defense. because that, right.
5: that was a Creighton team without two of its best players. And for Kansas to allow Creighton to be that effective on the offensive end, I thought it was a bad sign.
4: No, you're right. But these last two games, I mean, what they did to Miami in the second half defensively was really strong. Uh, against the Hurricanes, not letting them get out and run, and playing that elitely, they had a defensive rating that game of 69.7. When all was said and done, like, I, and I, I like this team there, so that I didn't have a strong feel because I'm with you. Like, I tend to think we call it the fallen star theory. I think it's more the market gets heavily shaded to the side that's playing against the team that just lost the best player, right, so you're getting right. some value on it. So I tend to think the Villanova would be pretty live here, a well-coached team, but that short rotation does kind of bother me. But that's the angle I was looking at under 133, and there's some 132 and a half that are popping up right now.
5: Uh, I'm not going to make a case against that. I actually no. think under is probably the better bet. It's um, Also, don't you think it it's probably plays to Villanova's advantage a little bit to slow the tempo down in the game when you don't have much of a bench mm-hmm. and Kansas has more weapons and better guards and better scoring guards in general that you should probably slow the game down and knock it out and run? And uh, I don't think Villanova – and Nova
4: can execute – half court offenses too so i mean they come in for 345th in terms of tempo already like they're already yeah. a pretty slow team this year anyway so i think it
5: makes sense boy that houston
4: game was one of the ugliest final four games i've ever seen <laughs> yes it was <laughs> <laughs> falling asleep all right we'll come back uh, we will get to of course the story of the day which is uh the oscars matt humans is all over this we've got a lot of t- got a lot of material prepared and adam hill is going to join us from las vegas we'll talk about that i think we'll get his thoughts in the final four as well if we have time
0: This is The Edge on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
5: I was up at 8 o'clock this morning, went to Wendy's. That's the official breakfast of March Madness, the Wendy's breakfast. Every day, choose from Wendy's, stack starting lineup, breakfast baconator, croissant combos, hot or cold coffee like any great team. Wendy's is bringing the breakfast legend. Sizzling bacon, cracked eggs. Season breakfast potatoes and simply OJ to bring it home. Make a fast break to your nearest Wendy's drive through to pick up your Wendy's breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Choose Wendy's, choose wisely. Yes. Or you can say also
4: choose wisely, choose Wendy's. That's true. And choose wisely, too, in terms of your words. You know, you, wanna be, you always want to be nice, right? You never want to say, make a joke at somebody's expense and then get slapped in the face because of said joke, right? You never want that to happen.
5: Do you think Adam Hill watched the Oscars last night? I'm going to say yes minus uh, 5000000
4: million. I'm going to say no, but I'm also going to say, and Adam is with us now, that he probably spent two hours on Twitter taking in all of the Oscars content <laughs> post-Oscar ceremony. Which one is it, Adam?
7: Uh, JVT is the winner yep. in this one. Uh, I absolutely was not watching, but I absolutely did dive deep into the Twitter conversation and the social media world. Uh, but I also want to say, is there ever in the history of broadcasting but a better like endorsement pairing than Matt doing fast food reads? Like That's
4: perfect. No, no, not at all. You should see how much he lights up when he gets to read them or the Jack Daniels reads
7: that we have every once in a while. <laughs> That's great too. Yeah, you guys are uh, lining up programming with uh, advertising. I love it. So what we do?
5: Nothing goes with Wendy's breakfast like a couple of shots of
4: Jack Daniels. <laughs> there we go.
7: I think they'd endorse
4: that and it's simply OJ to bring it home. Uh all right, Adam. So um I I will assume that you have some powerful takes on Chris Rock's joke and uh and the events that followed and transpired, no?
7: I mean, do we uh it's it was pretty clear watching it that Will Smith thought the joke was funny, and then he saw Jada's reaction <laughs> okay. and was like, "Oh, I better do something." Like right. I, I, I kind of do believe it was real. I don't think it was scripted, just because of like how that interaction went down, and like everybody's kind of been there before, where you chuckle at something and he laughed a little too hard, and the look that she gave him—I don't know if you guys have seen the angle oh, on how she looks at him—and Will's like, "Oh gosh, now I got to go do something about this." And, uh, I mean, he hit him hard. Like, There's no question about that. I don't think he should have punched him instead of slapping him, but uh, it was great. I, I, I loved every, every second of it.
4: Matt, I feel like you would downgrade a man for slapping as opposed to punching.
5: Well, in this case, not really, because okay. uh, right. it was inappropriate to do that anyway. It was idiotic <laughs> to do it. I, I th- thought it was great. I watched the uh, tape. I watched the replay last night on uh, Twitter about ten times. It was obviously not staged. What Adam said was exactly my take. Will Smith was laughing at the joke, and then Jada gave him a death stare, and he's like, "Oh man, okay, now I gotta think like I'm ticked uh, off about the joke." I go up, I gotta slap around. First of all, you can't really hit Chris Rock. The guy's like five five, a buck twenty five, right? He? Right, it right. Looks like it. So uh, he actually took the slap pretty well. If if a bigger comedian, let's say. I saw somebody mention this last night. let us He's not a comedian. Let's say Dwayne the Rock Johnson delivered that joke. You think Will Smith's going to go up there and oh, try to he, slap him? He's just no, yelling from no. the table. He's so just like, picking yeah. on a little guy.
4: Will Smith's just picking on a little guy. So I, that was a disappointing part. Can I add, the, the, yeah. my final point on this is the best part is when Chris Rock still thinks it's a joke, and as he's walking up, he says, oh, here comes Richard Williams. <laughs> 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 Thinking that Will Smith is still uh, messing around. Also, yeah. Ultimately, not the case, though. So. Adam could probably talk for two
5: hours about this, but that's what the Steve Co. Field shows, for yeah,
4: they're co the company. ESPN sure. Las Vegas out here. Oh, uh, three <laughs> There you go. <laughs> all three hours dedicated to this. Uh, all right, Final Four. Is this where we're going with Adam? Let's discuss. Nice. Uh, how warm and fuzzy are you on the inside that uh, Coach K has a shot at winning a title in his final season, Adam?
7: I mean, it's it's an absolute nightmare. I think for everyone. Uh, how could anybody? If you if you're not an alum or like a family member of somebody that played there or played for him. <sighs> Um, how could you possibly want to see him win? Like He's as greasy and slimy as it gets in the coaching world. Um, an overbearing jerk at times. Like there's nothing redeeming about Coach K at all. Like, even some of the worst coaches, like the worst people in the coaching business, there's like something redeeming. I can't find anything about them. This is awful. Now, I like the storylines and like the, uh, you know, it it does make more interest and people are going to be talking about it all week. And I like college basketball getting the spotlight, but this is a nightmare. And then. Like all, every game along the way, you're like hoping somebody knocks them out. But now, even if somebody does, it's North Carolina. I mean, I guess that's that's kind of it's kind of fun on some level. Hubert Davis is pretty likable. Um, I you know I don't think anybody likes the North Carolina program outside of outside of Chapel Hill. But I mean, it it's such a great storyline. I just hate that this is where we are, and it's all blue bloods in the Final Four. It's great for the average fan. I think probably terrible for most people that follow it closely.
5: He seems like a good guy. I mean, if you watch TV, he walks in the oh. arena holding hands with his wife, Mickey, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. He's a family man. Isabel uh, and
4: I strive to right. be Coach K and, and Mickey in our older years. Very
5: good-natured in mm-hmm. his interviews with uh, Tracy Wolfson yep. on CBS. Doesn't lecture children. Yeah. And, and are you going to say, Adam, that maybe uh, when the cameras are not off, he's not the same guy? Hey, are you going to make the trip to New Orleans for the Final Four? I know you've talked about it. I canceled my trip uh, because of this Duke appearance. So, Carolina Duke, Kansas Villanova, are you going to make the trip?
7: It's still possible. The flights are still very reasonable. The hotels are out of control, mm-hmm. um, and it's like it's it's one of those things. Like, yeah, it's a cool experience, and I really love New Orleans. I'd love to be there. Um, I'd, I'd be looking at that hotel bill. Like, I can't believe I did this to come see Duke. Like, I, I could not <laughs> possibly bring myself to do that. As much as I love it, if I go, I'm not going to go to the games either. I'm just going to go experience New Orleans and Bourbon Street. I'm still I'm still pondering it. Um, we have a uh, a a a friend of ours, I think you you know you guys know him, and uh, is a massive Kansas fan, and um, you know he's he's really wanting to go. And I told him if he goes, I would go along with him. But um, I just I I don't know if I could do it for th- this group of teams. It's so obnoxious. Yeah, there's like there's I guess Villanova is on some level the good guy, maybe, and I don't yeah. mind Jay Wright. i think so. um, yeah, so I think that's the good guy that's you cheer for, but it's still a team that's had a ton of success already. Um, I don't know. I'm just I'm very I'm very old man, you know, shake my fist at the sun guy about this Final Four. I I'm I, I don't have a real winner. I guess Villanova would be the one, but of course they go in shorthanded, which kind of sucks.
5: Yeah, that's true. Villanova's a likable team. How would you bet the uh, if you don't have any futures? And I I bet Duke futures a ten to one and twelve to one, fearing this scenario, Adam, <laughs> because I wanted to profit off the misery of uh, Coach K if he won the championship. So. Uh, how would you bet this Duke a four point favorite, minus minus one ninety on the money line total of one fifty one the first two meetings between these teams average one sixty four and a half this is going to be played in the superdome uh, these teams could be a little bit tight to start how do you look at the side and the total of that matchup
7: well I mean and not to get extremely square like but lately I mean first half unders have just been an automatic yep. play like you don 't have to think about it um, and i I feel like I'm going to do that in this spot as well. I might play the game under. Uh, I think you're right. I think looking at the pace numbers for the year is kind of misleading when you're going to go and play in this dome. Uh, I think the shooting could struggle a little bit. I know um, you know Duke, Duke shot a little bit better at times the other day, but I, I just don't think they're a great shooting team, and I think the, the dome's going to affect them. So um, I, I, I think that that's a, a thing to look at. The under is probably to where to go here. But I also think North Carolina is just a different team than they were earlier in the year. Um, I, I think they're much better. Obviously, we saw that at the end of the year against Duke, and we've seen that during this run here in the tournament. Uh, but I, I think they keep this game close. I think they might win the game. I, I think North Carolina is the side going into this game. Now, to, you know, the reason I've played Duke in a couple of games here already is I think if a game does get close, there's going to be three guys on the floor that make sure they win. Um <laughs> And I think that's probably the case again in this spot. So I I hesitate a little bit to go against Duke. But um, I think Carolina has been playing at a very, very high level. Um, I like what they're doing on both ends of the floor right now, and uh, I think that's where I'd be going in this game.
4: Those three guys, of course, Palo Carroll, Jeremy Roach, and uh, Wendell Moore, right? And those are the <laughs> you're referring to. Sure, yeah. uh, uh, all right, other exactly. matchup here. We were talking about this earlier. I was actually looking at this potentially go under 133 between Kansas and Villanova. I think, Adam, a lot of people would be surprised to realize that is like 350th in, in tempo this year. They're a pretty half-court-oriented and slow team. Kansas has been pretty consistent defensively. Do you have a read here, side or total?
7: Yeah, I mean, my original thought, and I I was uh, I was talking actually to uh, to one of your guys colleagues, Mitch Moss, yesterday about this. Um, I wanted to play Kansas right right when it came out, um, thinking that the number is going to go up throughout the week, and then you could play it back if you wanted to on on Villanova because I think people are going to start thinking more and more about this situation with Villanova being shorthanded. They're a team that plays only six guys, so it's not like they're a deep team that you can replace a key player. Like you're going to have essentially only five guys playing. If you have to go to your bench at all, it's going to be guys that you don't play very often, that you don't have a lot of trust in. I mean, even, you know, the uh, the younger Arch barely plays. I mean, you look back, he plays like, you know, four, five, six minutes a game, really doesn't get in there. He's the seventh man. So I, I think uh, – this is really going to affect Villanova, and I think people are going to start to to think about that more throughout the week. And I thought it would go up, but we really haven't seen that reaction that much yet. So I'm a little worried maybe I had the wrong read on that. Maybe people won't play it that way. Um, but I, I do like Villanova, what they do on both ends of the floor. I mean, you talked about the pace. They play that way, I think, a lot because of the fact that they don't have a whole lot of bodies. And we're going to see it even more emphasized now. Uh, I think, you know, Jay Wright's going to obviously have to realize you can't get in foul trouble and you can't get those guys tired uh, if you're only going to play five guys in a Final Four scenario. Um, but maybe people aren't reacting the same way I am, and maybe not everybody in the world is going to be on Kansas this week. So I might have had that red wrong out of the out of the box.
5: All right, 10 seconds left. Hopefully you stayed away from Houston on uh, Saturday. Are you still alive in the Station Casino's last man standing contest?
7: No comment, Matt. <laughs>
4: Okay, Adam Hill, LVRJ up on Twitter. Adam going to talk to you. Thank you. Guess he played Houston. Good <laughs> to All right, we'll come back, wrap it up, best bets some more.
3: This is the Edge on VCN, the sports betting network.
4: This segment of The Edge is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches. Are you tired of the same old, same old when it comes to nicotine? Have you been looking, hoping, wishing for a more satisfying, discreet, or smoke-free way to experience nicotine satisfaction? Just look for three letters, Z-Y-N. Zyn Nicotine Pouches are a satisfying, smoke-free, spit-free tobacco alternative that are available in 10 varieties like Spearmint, Wintergreen, Citrus, and Cinnamon. I saw one today. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen America's number one nicotine pouch available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your so head over to Zinn.com slash find a store near you. Warning, product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. All right. I'll wrap it up with a little NBA. We're in the final two weeks of the regular season. Some of these I'm teams- fired up. I love,
5: to, I love to bet the NBA playoffs. So, you know, it's always a little bit depressing when the college basketball season ends, but we got the Masters to pick us up next week to yep. start a baseball season In
4: the association playoffs, Yes, it's a great time of year. Great time of year. So we get to uh, best bets recap from Friday. Uh, Clippers plus 5.5. Lose comfortably to the Philadelphia 76ers. So the uh, continued uh, theme of playing against 76ers uh, blows up on me there. Uh, Did not fail over the weekend. But regardless, plus 5.5 gets the loss there. And uh, took 7.5 here with the Houston Rockets against San Antonio. Matt. Now this has moved to 9.5. But this is only because some guys have popped up as questionable on the injury report. Nothing official in terms of uh, missing Eric Gordon. Christian Wood, Dennis Schroeder. Uh-huh. So hopefully you get those guys back out there. But th- this, to me, is purely a number play. And if you look, so San Antonio, and we're going to get to the other side of this equation, which is the Lakers, San Antonio is only a game out of the 10th seed for the play-in. So there's plenty of motivation there for the Spurs, who have won three consecutive games. But here's the thing. So the Spurs just played with the Portland Trailblazers, right? They were nine-point favorites in Portland. They uh-huh. won going away, blew them out. Houston just played consecutive games against Portland, and they were laying four. In Portland, right. right? So we're talking about a five-point difference between the numbers of these two teams are laying against the same opponent. One by what, 15, 17? Yeah, so they covered both of them, yeah. right? Both, uh, both the teams took care of business against the Portland Trailblazers. So what to me is it doesn't really jive here is there was a five-point difference in the spreads these two teams were laying against a similar opponent in, a similar, in the same arena. And yet now here, Houston at home open seven and a half and is catching now nine and a half. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't really jive. That's a really big swing here. And I do think the market might be overvaluing the sense of urgency the Spurs might be having in that the window is open for them to potentially get into the play in here. So took seven and a half. And I'd expect that to come back down if the injuries are going to be there. Or I get NBA'd and it closes 11 and a half and maybe they still cover. Who knows? But uh, ultimately that was the read here for me from a number and power actually kind of stunning how bad the Blazers are right now. Oh, yeah, and I, they just watched lost you
5: there. It's, it's comical to watch this team. It's uh,
4: uh, it's not even like a real NBA team. No, I mean, because they've taken Josh Hart out of the lineup, of their st- one of their centers, their big guys. to Watford just got hurt. He's probably done for the rest of the year. So. Speaking of Watford,
5: last week I was watching the uh, Blazers game. I can't remember who they were playing. They were down 93-63. Okay. Watford scored. Got fouled, and he goes into this little celebration. Well, like, Dude, you're down 30 <laughs> points <laughs> late in the third quarter. Contract, okay. yeah. Cut the celebration a little bit short. Just yes. step up there and make the free throw to cut it to 29.
4: I would agree. Okay. But, hey, man, you got to find the little little things of happiness in a season like that. huh? Uh, and then uh, with that, we transition to college basketball. North Carolina mm-hmm. plus 2.5 on Friday. Gets it done. Uh, wins outright against UCLA after a little bit of a touch-and-go start. <clears throat> Win outright, and as we know, they're in the Final Four.
5: I had the same play. Friday was a really good day for me. Actually, I uh, lost that Michigan-Villanova bet, uh, but went 4-0 Friday. St. Peter's plus 12.5. Also a had sweat. some money line on that at plus mm-hmm. 700. Uh, Providence plus 7.5. Boy, that was an ugly game against Kansas, but the Friars uh, got the cover. And uh, North Carolina plus 2.5 against UCLA. Also had Miami money line against uh, uh, Iowa State. So Those results were good. Also, the Tournament props were not great, but I did have Kansas to win the Midwest region. I think that was a fairly easy bet. Circa had that up at plus 215, so cash that one. Loser with Arizona tournament wins over two and a half. Really disappointing tournament for the Wildcats. They won two, got beaten a Sweet 16 by Houston, really got dominated yeah. by that game, in that game by Houston. Big Ten over 11 wins. I'm not going to be betting that prop ever again. Uh, <laughs> Big Ten had nine teams in the tournament, went nine and nine. Iowa, them. Iowa gets knocked out in the first round. Illinois gets lucky to win a game. Wisconsin doesn't make it to the Sweet 16. Just a pathetic performance by the Big Ten. 58-51 uh, as we head to the Final Four. I'm probably going to play Duke. And uh, I kind of like your angle on the uh, – I'm probably going to play that Villanova, Kansas-Villanova game under, under. 133. Yeah. It's just, it makes too much sense for Jay Wright – and Villanova to really slow this game down. You don't want Kansas
4: to get out and transition.
5: right? I have not be- made that bet yet, but that's what I'm looking at for the Final Four.
4: Yeah, an already slow team making it even slower would yeah. make all the sense in the world there. Uh, all right, with that, a little talk about the association. First off, the, the big news here, uh, it just came down this morning, and it's worth noting because this is a title contender, uh, but a massive blow for the Boston Celtics today. That you and Sham Shamshiranya reporting uh, that Robert Williams, their center, feared to have suffered a torn meniscus in his left knee mm. could lead to an indefinite accident absence which would be a tough loss for the Celtics as he notes Williams shining as the starting center of the season he's been a big reason why they have been and are now statistically the best defensive team in the NBA him and Marcus Smart are in the top five in terms of defensive player of the year odds because of how well they have played on that end of the floor so this is absolutely huge for a Boston team that a lot of people uh, figured that you know what could be the best team in the Eastern Conference I know there's some statistical models that actually make them the favorite to win the NBA Finals out there this is huge for Boston going forward. Solar should've been uh, sizzling hot, man.
5: Yep. Sucks, absolutely sucks. Uh, that's that's a tough blow. Actually, were you starting to come around on the on the Celtics in terms of uh, what they could do in the Eastern oh. Conference playoffs? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. when you look at
4: the way, like, look, we've we've talked about I the flaws. You've been kind of high on them for a while. Yep. Uh, the I got that futures ticket. That's the other part about it, right? I got that sixty-six yeah. to one futures ticket on them, so that sucks. But also, I mean, look at the way the, the Eastern Conference could shake out. Yes, Kyrie Irving can play in all the games now, but Philadelphia is clearly a flawed team. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee has their issues too. Miami's been falling apart. We'll see if they can bust out of a one and eight ATS slump. Today against the Sacramento Kings, but they've lost four straight, so it's a big blow for the Celtics, who at least over at BetMGM third choice to win the Eastern Conference. Oh, well, actually, t- technically second because the Nets and Bucks are tied at three to one. So over I don't bet a lot of NBA futures in terms of stuff like
5: this unless I think there's really some value in a long shot. And I'm glad I didn't bet the Heat because, like you said, uh, yep. my Miami Heat right now on thin ice. It seems like they got a lot of problems and they 're just not playing well
4: on the court either no I got embarrassed by uh, yes. by Brooklyn on Saturday. that it was, was not that was not good, not good in any way whatsoever uh so also worth noting, and this is, comes from yesterday, how about a 40-point third quarter from the New Orleans Pelicans <laughs> yesterday against the Los Angeles Lakers mm-hmm. to overcome a 23-point deficit and win and why that matters because now <laughs> Pelicans are in the driver's seat for the ninth seed in the Western Conference. They would host the Lakers if it ended today. And they would beat the Lakers. Uh, I think they would. And they, they've beaten them in the uh, two matchups up to this point, so they have the tiebreakers. You know, I think at this point, i get your thoughts yeah.
5: on this. Uh, you did an NBA show last night. You do one on Sunday nights. That's right. Six. To, uh, well, now it's going to be a three p.m. Pacific time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Lakers are going to be a topic here a little bit going forward. But do you think? Do you think the Lakers really care about making the play-in tournament? Because I, I kind of feel like the LeBron would almost prefer to miss the playoffs than have to the face the play-in scenario. I mean, I guess.
4: like, you have people like Shaq saying, oh, "Just get them in the eight seed. They'll beat the Suns." <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, it's. I, like okay, I, I also heard Charles, Charles Barkley predict Arkansas
5: was going to be Duke. Yeah, that's so why that, I knew that, Duke. Uh, right. I should have doubled my bet. That was my biggest bet of the tournament, Duke, money line, Arkansas. I should have doubled it at that point. Yeah, you think
4: Shaq and Charles
5: Barkley are any good at
4: predicting what's happening? No. I would say no, but no. there's. I don't know. Maybe there's some, there's some confidence. But here's the thing about like making into the play. for so the Spurs, as I mentioned, are a game out. How about the next four games for San Antonio? Mm-hmm. At Houston today, home against Memphis, it's going to be tough. Then back-to-back home games against the Portland Trailblazers oh, <laughs> before ending with road games against Denver, Minnesota, and then home against Golden State. Who, as we know, they're one and four now without Curry, and they've been all over the place. And they end on the road against Dallas, who could have you know the four seed, three seed locked up, and not have anything to play for in that game. So yeah. I, this is uh, their schedule. The Lakers alone is already pretty tough, but the Spurs you get to play the you get play for the Trailblazers and the Rockets in three of your final seven okay. eight games. Lakers are going to be lucky to be in the plan. They are. I'm not even sure LeBron
5: wants to be in the plan.
4: I mean, because you're right to a certain extent. <clears> would you rather miss out on the play or lose to the Pelicans in the, uh, you know, the secondary rounds? I don't know. Uh, and, when, and look, the Pelicans, I've got, I got them at plus 440 to make the postseason. They're legit. And yesterday, too, it's, it should be noted, Brandon Ingram came back for the first time. He's missing time because I think it was hamstring injury or whatever it was. Um, he's back. And, of course, he loves to play the Lakers, and on a minutes restriction uh, was absolutely fantastic against him yesterday. But the Lakers, as we move forward, this is a story now, and these Spurs games actually matter. Like Spurs Rockets might not uh, tickle the fancy of a lot of people, but if you're a Lakers fan, you're watching in earnest because you do not want this team to be successful down the stretch at the San Antonio Spurs. Oh.
5: If you're a Lakers fan, do you really even care about your team making a plan? You,
4: know, you got people saying, "Just get." A, like I said, like, Lakers fans honestly That's think fancy. AD's coming
5: back. And oh, they'll come, on. Deal. come on, remember they were de- they were up before the injuries in that series last year.
4: Not so, happening.
5: They're not going to make a St. Peter's like run through the Western Conference bracket. I would agree.
4: Uh, this is a wildly flawed team, but uh, <laughs> hey, man, hope springs eternal. Although one man told me there's nothing worse than hope.
5: We, think- you know, we talked a lot about the biggest game in college hoops on this show. Yeah. Oh, What about the second biggest game this week? Southern Utah at Fresno State tonight. You going to watch that? Uh, well, the NBA card kind of stinks. I was thinking right. about tuning in. You got something here? Good old Todd Simon? I don't see Fresno State losing this game, but I'm not sure I want to lay the seven uh, what is it, seven right now.
4: Yeah. Don't yeah. quote me on this. I think Todd Simon was made his interim coach debut against Fresno State. Did he not? Uh, for UNLV? Yeah. Uh, that was,
5: what, about five years ago, six uh, years ago? Maybe. I don't Who know. knows? know. Six years ago. Making it up. Who My cares? guys in the desert coming <clears throat> up next. We'll oh,